Welcome to Fine Tuning with Do Tell, your one-stop shop when it comes to animation news and commentary. I'm Drew's co-host, entertainment writer Jim Hill, and he and I are recording this week's show on Sunday, February 27th, 2022. Just one day left in February, and, and I would imagine, Drew, you're happy that there's only one day left, because given just what you did over the past week, did it start with actually getting the chance to see all of, of Pixar turning red? Yes, yes, I have. And and it should tell you how much we loved turning red in this house that we watched it twice oh. in the in the 24 hour viewing window we were given. So, yeah. OK, yeah, it's it's pretty great. OK, well, we'll talk more about that on the, the second half of today's show. But the big news is you also got to tour Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser, which based on the piece you did at the wrap, you actually seem pretty impressed. Yes, I was very, very impressed. I know we're going to talk more about it on the second half of the show. Okay. But okay. Yeah, I'll save my thoughts. But I, I would say if you had the money mm-hmm. to go, yep. you could, you should go. Okay. But speaking of money, Jim, do you want to tell us? <laughs> <laughs> Why, well, yes, yes. <laughs> what a subtle way to acknowledge our sponsor. Uh, yes, they, they, we're headed into the news portion of the show, folks. And the news portion of this week's episode of Fine Tuning is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. For a worry-free travel experience, please book online at storybookdestinations.com. This week out in L.A., Hollywood, started with a bang when the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences announced that because viewership was way, way, way down for last year's live broadcast, there's only 9.85 million people tuned in to ABC on February 9th of last year to watch that three-hour and 36-minute long broadcast and 10 million people watching the Oscars, so that should be cool. But just 10 years ago, for the 82nd Academy Awards, 41.6 million people tuned in. So three-quarters of the audience has fallen away in 10 years' time. The 82nd Awards uh, back in 2010 we're actually one minute longer than the ones that were held last year. So it's kind of an industry myth that the show has been getting longer every year, and that's why people are falling away. And in fact, the longest Academy Award was actually held 20 years ago, March 24th, 2002. And that year's broadcast was four hours and 23 minutes long. That was the, that was the um, awards where we all rapturously welcomed Woody Allen to the Academy Awards. Oh, God. <laughs> wow. That, that, I don't recall. That seems so long ago. It's... Yeah. All right. So uh, the Ooh. thinking is on the heels of what happened with last year's rating. Something had to be done. It's not that they have just recently gotten worried about the length of the show, but it seems that decision now has been made that we have to run a tighter ship. So they decided they were going to cut a few categories out of the broadcast. Do you want to talk about the categories that have gotten cut? Yeah, I'm real fired up about this, Jim. Mm. So I will, uh, it's actually eight categories, Mm. which is a huge amount of categories. It's production design, Mm. best score, film editing, sound, makeup and hairstyling, documentary short, Mm. live action short, and animated shorts. These awards aren't actually being cut from the show. What's going to happen is, Prior to the live broadcast on ABC, these awards will be given out inside of the Dolby Theater. 
The winner's speeches will be recorded and then edited for time. And with the plan being that later on with a live broadcast is actually happening on ABC. And it, there's a moment where say a set is being struck or it's a transitional moment. These edited down acceptance speeches will then be folded into the show at that moment. Do you remember when, when Domi Shi won the award for Bao, the Pixar short? I want to say this was just like three years ago, wasn't it? Yeah, and it was in, I think it was at the 2019. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so three years ago. And she gave one of my favorite speeches at the Academy Awards in years. It, it actually ended with her giving a shout out to all the nerdy girls out there who hide behind their sketchbooks, which given what you've just seen of Turning Red, isn't May, she gets in trouble because her mom finds her sketchbook at one point in the movie, right, right? exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Would the editors of the Academy Awards have left in that genuinely moving moment, which meant a lot to nerdy kids everywhere? The very same kids will eventually grow up and become the editors and the production designers of tomorrow. Knowing the Academy, they would have cut Domi's speech down to a, a bland, brief thank you. Right. In a weird sort of way, the Academy Awards are borrowing from the Tony's playbook because as far back as the year 2000, they were facing the same issue. They were on CBS and CBS just told them, look, we're not going to give you a three-hour block of time anymore. The ratings for this thing are, are a dud. We'll give you two hours. And so they cut a deal with PBS and they started the Tony's at seven and the first two hours of the show would be on PBS, and that's when you got Best Direction of a Play, Best Direction of a Musical, Best Choreography, Best Original Score, Best Orchestration, Best Book for a Musical, Costume Design, Scenic Design, and Lighting. So it was 10 awards that were done on PBS, and then at 9 o'clock, the show literally switches to CBS, and it's all of the big money awards, Best Actor in a Play, Best Actor in a Musical, that sort of thing. So it's not that this hasn't been done before, but do you think they, they had any idea they'd get this level of pushback? Well, I think that there's a lot wrong, I, I think, just with the thinking of trying to jazz it up to get ratings. Mm -hmm. And I know that people like Mark Harris and others on Twitter mm -hmm. have made the argument that it's never going to go back to those numbers again. Mm -hmm. So why are you chasing this imaginary mm -hmm. viewership that's just not going to be there? Why not make the Academy Awards more focused on the arts and sciences mm -hmm. and less about appealing to mass audiences. And I, I'm really upset about these categories being sort of struck or, or minimized in some way because they are, you know, the lifeblood of this industry. And Absolutely. obviously, if you've listened Absolutely. to us or, or anything, you know, mm -hmm. obviously on Light the Fuse, I've t we've talked to every single department mm -hmm. person in the world, and they really do make up what make these movies so special. So it's just... It's very disappointing. I think that they need to stop trying to chase this imaginary blockbuster audience and just focus on making a cool show for people who love and people who make the movies that everybody watches. I, so. I totally agree. If you want to be creating a show that the nerdy kids, tomorrow's yes. filmmakers, who the very people who, when they see a Domishi on stage, it's like, oh my God, I could be her. You know, you don't cut that moment out. I don't need to see Matt Damon. All right. Right. That's the lunacy. They're going to create the show where they load it up with big name celebrities and just miss the point, miss the whole mark. Yeah. It's, it's, it's baffling.
Speaking of which, though, the, you know, another quick Oscar-related aside here, and, and no disrespect to Regina Hall, Amy Schumer, and uh, Wanda Sykes, they're who are going to be hosting the live broadcast from the Dolby on March 27th. But do you see who, who the Academy supposedly reached out to first? Yes. I was going to be looking forward to all those Demas uh, advertisements <laughs> during the... During yes, the broadcast. Yes. Okay. You know, I, I'm sorry. If you're not a fan of only murders in the building, you're not getting that reverence. But yeah, they had supposedly, they wanted the stars of that hit Hulu series, Steve Martin, Martin Short, and Selena Gomez uh, to come out and, and host the show. And I guess they talked among themselves about it because they're actually shooting season two in New York right now. Oh, I've seen all the spa- the paparazzi photos, Jim. I'm so ready. Steve Martin was the one who explained, you know, you really you need the whole week before the show to prep the host, and you got to prep all this material, and we're in the middle of shooting, and it'll be a pain in the ass. And so they turned it down. And then friend of the show, Josh Gad, who earlier this week, who, by the way, <laughs> feels exactly like you do, Drew, in regard to these <laughs> categories being cut. But Josh revealed as part of a tweet about that, that he had actually been asked to co-host. So who do you imagine he would have hosted with? Yeah, I don't know. Would it have been Luke Evans? They were supposed to be making Little Town this summer, which has now been put off, postponed, not quite, going to start up again soon. Here's what Josh uh, tweeted out on the 23rd. I had a chance to co-host this year's Oscars and pass because it, it didn't feel right to me. And uh, Mr. Gad then goes on to talk about the Academy's decision to eliminate those eight awards. And it's like, I believe this team has the right intentions and I love they want to do something new and different. I trust them. I would, however, rethink sidelining the craft awards as they deserve to shine. Mm-hmm. Oh, also, by the way, February 24th was Josh's 41st birthday. So Mr. Taylor and I would now like to wish Ava's dad a happy belated birthday. Yes. All right. Did you see where Pixar veterans Ricky Navarra and Michael McCarrickets just got hired by Spire Animation Studios? I did not, Jim. I was too busy and another spire, black <laughs> spire, to hear this news. So please, ah, smooth, fill me in. very smooth. Okay, <laughs> so fill me in. Yeah. Well, Spire Animation Studios is a new studio co-founded last summer by Brad Lewis, who producer of Ratatouille, co-director of Cars Two, but he's also now the chief creative officer at Spire, and Brad has been cherry picking. Great talent from DreamWorks and Disney and Blue Sky Studios. I mean, he recruited Mike Surrey, who, of course, did Timon and The Lion King and Clopin and and Hunchback and Turk and uh, Tarzan. Also got Sean Krause, who led the story teams on Pixar's Up, Cars 2, and Inside Out. Ted Mathot, who is a story artist in Ratatouille, Brave, and Wally. Also persuaded Karen Disher, a senior member of Blue Sky's creative team, as well as the director of Ice Age's um, Mammoth Christmas. And finally, Sharon Bridgman, who is a story artist on Kung Fu Panda 2, and also on the original How to Train Your Dragon. So that's quite a bench of people already. Mm-hmm. And to throw Ricky in, who was a production designer on Up in Monsters University, while Michael was a directing animator on Cars 2 and Finding Dory, 
And this is the team that's making Trouble. Trouble is actually the name of, of Spire Animation's feature animation project they're working on now. Have you seen the logline for this thing? No, I, this is you're just giving me all sorts of news today, Jim, oh, so please. Okay, well, this movie centers around Jax, a 13-year-old who gets in trouble with his family and is swept into a parallel reality known as the World of Trouble. Embarking on a whimsical adventure within this bizarre and fantastic world of chaotic adolescence, he makes new friends, reflects on his character, and learns the value of self-forgiveness, all while trying to figure out how to get out of trouble and get back home. That sounds a lot like luck. <laughs> oh, no! It's uh, Thank you! Thank you for saying that! I love the idea of, oh, you're in a world of trouble, my friend. Right. But yeah, they do sound fairly parallel there but on the other hand when you look at the team he's assembled to do this this is going to be a great looking great animated story with a, a, yeah with a somewhat familiar sounding story but you know the, the, let's let's see what happens here well did you see that that, that uh, on the subject of ice age there is a new series of shorts i did coming out yeah the scratch shorts right yes ice age scrat tales jim <laughs> oh. which I think you would be particularly interested in the fact that they they got Chris Wedge to come back as the voice of Scrat. Yeah. I mean, imagine having your entire studio killed by Disney and then going back to do the voice of a prehistoric muskrat for them. What's weirder is I saw a number of Blue Sky vets actually tweet out when this was finally announced last week. It's like, yeah, this is the very last thing I worked on for Blue Sky. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, this is actually Blue Sky animated. Going to be interesting to find out whether or not it's like, you know, hey, we're we're shutting down or we have this other project. I mean, it sounds like it was a fairly small team, but it, w- it was actual Blue Sky folks animating it, which after the Ice Age adventures of Buck Wild and, and how that was less than enthusiastically embraced, it's going to be interesting to see what happens here. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's also, I don't know if you saw that on Twitter a few weeks ago, but there was like some lawsuit against them for the copyright for the character. And they had said, oh, we won it. But it's like, well, you didn't clearly <laughs> if Scrat Tales is coming soon to Disney Plus. Yeah, but yeah. I don't know. It's very strange. There's a part of me that's glad to see that the Ice Age characters live on. I still think that the very first film of the series is, is flat out wonderful. It's great. I keep hearing from friends in Imagineering that when they'll do the surveys of what would you like to see in the park and they'll lay out IP, Ice Age always gets a huge reaction. It's like, ooh, I'd love to see those characters. I'd love to visit that world. Right. But speaking of Ice Age, did you see this thing about Winter Wonderland? No. This is from Syncopal. This is the guy who co-wrote the Despicable Me trilogy wrote the spinoff film Minions, as well as uh, Secret Life of Pets for Illuminations. And he's written a screenplay. It's a family film based on the holiday song, Winter Wonderland, Walking in a Winter Wonderland. Paul hasn't just written a screenplay for this thing. He's also written a number of songs that will go in around this holiday classic, Winter Wonderland. But he's also he's also going to make his directorial debut on this film, which this project is set up at Warner's, but it doesn't necessarily have a home yet. 
it's kind of being shopped around to the various streaming services as well as other studios to see who'd be interested in taking it on. But the package is out there, and every, folks are very, very enthusiastic about it. And just today, Nancy and I had our own little Winter Wonderland moment. On Friday, we got 14 inches of snow after a couple of days where literally it was 60 degrees and all the snow had melted. So we did something we've been talking about doing for the 25 years we've been together so far. And we, we actually went to a farm where you could rent a, you know, a, well, it wasn't a one-horse open sleigh, it was a two-horse open sleigh, and we, we went out for a sleigh ride in a winter wonderland. It was really kind of cool. Wow. Mind you, it's not going on a galactic star cruise or cool, but, you know, right. well, you know. which, by the way, we, we will talk about on the second half of today's show, but first, our sponsor. Before Drew talks about Turning Red and likewise his recent adventure in Florida, uh, a couple of things that, that we had mentioned or meant to talk about on, on an earlier fine-tuning. We finally have a, a synopsis of sorts for the Beavis and Butthead movie? or We do, yeah. It's, I think it's called Beavis and Butthead Do the Universe, I think it's called. Oh, and oh no. It, is <laughs> it sees them going uh, into space. I can give you the the official synopsis oh. here, uh, which is that in perhaps the dumbest space movie ever made, Beavis and Butthead are sentenced to space camp by a creative judge in 1998. Their obsession with a docking simulator <laughs> leads to a trip on the space shuttle with predictably disastrous results. After going through a black hole, they reemerge in our time where they look for love, misuse iPhones, and are hunted by the deep state. Spoiler, they don't score. Now, what I think is interesting about this is that if they go on this this journey in 1998, they're discounting the short-lived 2010 to 2011 Beavis and Butthead series that ran on MTV. So this is literally kind of picking up where the show left off and going in this incredible new direction. Disney will kill me if I immediately <laughs> go for Beavis and Butthead in space to do the Star Wars hotel. So let, let's talk about turning red instead. Okay, which, sure. Which, by the way, again, you said it at the top of the show, already watched twice, and you loved Yeah. It's been fascinating to watch over the last two and three months the, the, the weird pushback this Domi Shi film has had on social media and that sort of thing. And I don't get it. Everything I've seen is a film I want to see today. It just it looks right. it looks quirky, it looks funny, it looks charming, and you're saying that's what it is. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I don't really understand the pushback on this movie. You know, there was that guy that really tweeted that horrible oh. thing like what is Disney doing? Yeah. I won't use the exact language, but yeah. you know, I retweeted it and said man confused by image of Asian teen. You know, it was like you don't I didn't understand what he was so upset about, but then, of course, people mined his Twitter and saw that he was kind of a racist. Mm -hmm. So that might maybe shed some light on the situation. So it's really wonderful. It's it's very specific, but mm -hmm. and that's what sort of makes it universal. Mm -hmm. And there is some big surprises. So I hope that you don't get spoiled, Jim. Please leave the art of book I'm alone until you sorry, watch it. Sorry, I haven't yet. I I will say this much: uh, the art of book is still wrapped. 
and it's around her right over there. Okay. Okay. However, okay. watch it. These watch it. Storytelling things that are available on YouTube, I, I may have already viewed, and I'm intrigued by your use of big. Watch it, Jim. So, watch it. So, for me, it is different Pixar. You know, the notion of how many animated films are about kids losing their mom or their dad or, you know, or whatever. And the notion that this starts off with a whole family unit and explores early puberty in a very interesting way. Yeah. In the piece you wrote about this for the rap, you talked about it embraces the messiness of that age when you're just filled with emotion and, Life can take weird turns, and boy, does this film take a weird turn. Yeah, it's it's really it's really great. I'll be going to the premiere on Tuesday, so hopefully I'll have some more fun oh. stories after that. Wait a minute, they're, they're going to... Please tell me this is the El Capitan. Yes, the El Cap. So I will be one of a handful of folk who get to see this on the big screen, Holy not to brag. Holy cow! But and on that same subject, did you see that Lightyear was confirmed as a theatrical release? Oh, so that they are. So, okay. Jim, uh, we should be working on our uh, CinemaCon this accommodations is, soon. I was just talking with my daughter about this. Who? It was one of these things where it's like, Dad, Las Vegas, Petri dish. <laughs> what don't you understand? But yes, I think we do have to maybe make a trip because I, yes. I do want to see this in a big screen and i do i would love to hear what went on with this and i think you were making fun of me as we were pre-game today because I, I need to also add that robotic cat to our collection socks uh, socks. There, socks there we yes. go you know uh because uh drew was noticing you uh, <laughs> have behind me here folks i i believe the name of the leopard character from Encanto in, in is parsi but we actually, Nancy is it's a big time cat lover. So over the past year and a half, two years, we have leaned in heavily to to the Disney and Pixar cats. In fact, or you know, in addition to Parsi from Encanto, I actually went on eBay and chased down the kittens with mittens from Fro- oh, Olaf's Frozen Adventure. So you know, we have one of those in the pile there. But yeah, that, that if if not to spoil anything, but there are some cats in Turning Red. I don't know if they will. They are have enough Ooh. screen time to warrant a plush. But <sighs> it's 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 Disney consumer products. If they, if there's a cat in it, they'll make it. So Drew did that in the earlier part of the week, and then when so that was Tuesday. I want to say you saw uh, Turning Red. So when did you fly down to Orlando? I flew down to Orlando on, uh, at 7 o'clock on Wednesday and got there at 8 <sighs> or uh, something. Yep. What time did I get down there? No, I got down there at like 5.15. Mm-hmm. And I ran to the Contemporary where they were having a dinner for us and a panel. And then I had to sort of beg the wait staff for mm-hmm. all the food items I had missed. Like, are there any entrees back there? Can you, <laughs> can you bring one out to me? So Uh, I was just stuffing my face like, you know, some mm. kind of crazed beast. But yeah, it was a really wonderful event. And I got to spend four glorious hours on the Galactic Star Cruiser. uh, And yeah. From the story, again, you wrote for for the rap. Inside of four hours, they really hustled you guys through the building because you got the bridge experience. You got the lightsaber training. You got to sample the food that's going to be offered toward the bar space. And then you got to see... The you even got character inter- interaction with this thing, as well as 
getting to see the the grand finale, which again, I was fascinated by your description of emotional. Yeah, it is a really moving. I mean, the whole thing is pretty moving, but that last thing Mm -hmm. on night two is really an encapsulation of all of the things that you've done and the characters you've encountered and they remember people's names Mm -hmm. and all of this stuff. Uh, I can only imagine what it was like to go on the two day, two night Mm -hmm. event, but considering I, I co-host fine tuning with Jim Hill and not skywalking through nature's wonderland, uh, you know, uh, (laughs) all right. You got the four hour version. You know, I did. No, it was, it was a wonderful, you know, the, the thing that we didn't have was the data pad experience. We did not have, and we did not have, you know, the kind of like choice element to it. We were kind of brought through and it was kind of a reader's digest version. Okay. Mm-hmm. And Chewie's been captured and, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. So, but it, it's absolutely wonderful. It's, it really impressed me. And I can't wait to hear Len is doing, you know, actually doing the full he is, he is. two day thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've talked to him already. So, you know, I might show up on Jim's other podcast to uh, discuss further, but that would be cool. I can't wait to hear his thoughts. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a pretty amazing event, you know? You know, the embargo broke at uh, 9 a.m. East Coast time on Friday. Yeah. And I almost kind of feel bad for the folks at Disney. It was, in fact, a wonderful, immersive, but there were so many headlights who then immediately pivoted, but is it worth the money? Right. And it's just sort of like that, you know, and from a Disney PR team point of view, how do you get ahead of that? The fact that even those who were impressed about this, this immersive storytelling cruise on land. How do you get ahead of something like that? It's kind of like the impossible question mm-hmm. to answer yeah. in a way, because there's just so many factors that is it worth it? Is it worth it if you save for two years mm-hmm. and finally come up with the money? You know, is it worth it if you have the money on hand yeah. and a $5,000 ding will not, mm-hmm. you know, set you back mm-hmm. a lot? It's a very subjective kind of complicated question to answer. And I am not in any way making and trying to answer that question in my reporting. Mm -hmm. All I'm trying to do is celebrate what I feel is a really special experience. And one of the biggest swings that Imagineering has taken in years. And I think that we should celebrate that at the very least. And who knows what else is going to be coming down from this kind of initiative, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. It's, in fact, it's so interesting that you, you mentioned Imagineering because I'm, I'm blanking the name of the woman who worked in theme entertainment, who uh, was just talking about it from the themed entertainment point of view to the effect of, you know, there are people who worked on this project for years who labored to create this unique storytelling environment, you know, that, that and, you know, you put all that time in and all that work in, and it's at this moment where people are like, they're not saying it's wonderful storytelling. It's all about, is it worth it? And it's like, you're looking at five to seven years of my life. Yeah. And the performers are amazing. Mm-hmm. And what's funny, Jim, and this is a great opportunity to tell this story. Mm-hmm. And I apologize if I tell it again, but I believe you are talking about an Imagineer whose name is Nancy, I want to say. Um, and her, so I'm walking through Magic Kingdom after the mm-hmm. four hour mm-hmm. thing. Her dad, takes tickets at the magic kingdom and overhears another cast member asking me about it. Mm. And he says, Oh, my daughter worked on that for the past six years. 
he, you know, she's been up for till midnight every night working on this thing. And I was like, well, tell her it was great. You know, we all had a really great time. And it was just such a moving moment that he's sitting there like tearing tickets at the Magic Kingdom and his daughter is doing this amazing experience up the street. It was pretty, it was pretty incredible. Wow. I feel so bad that I don't have this, this woman's name, but I just was talking about the fact that, you know, I mean, this is the moment when you hand it off to ops. You know, I mean, you, right. you've done all of your work and, and you now have to walk away and go to your next project. And it, and it's just sort of like, oh, you know, and this is the scary time because it's just sort of like, you know, please keep everything that we put in place running. Right. The hard reality is now these actors have to figure out how to do this. You know, in fact, did they talk at all about the schedule? Is it literally the crew's footing as in they chase everybody out at 11 and what the next sailing you know goes oh yeah well i was obsessed jim with figuring out where these people were mm. staying okay and what was going on because it's like are they on nurses hours mm. how do you pay somebody for 48 hours mm. of performance yeah. and what i found out mm -hmm. is that the building is three stories okay and two stories are for guests mm. and one story is for crew so there are actual sleeping quarters no! at the Galactic Star Cruiser. Oh, no. yeah. oh, oh that's so, killer. Oh, yeah. See, this is why you send a real reporter. You know, that's <laughs> right. You know, I don't know if Skywalking through the trollops or uh, whatever is going to be getting this kind of information. But, uh, oh, yeah. Okay. I have to admit, Mr. Testa and his sister Chrissy are, are on the first official sailing, so to speak, the, the first public sailing. So, yeah, uh, we will be. Yeah, the great. The great irony of this whole thing is mm -hmm. it's the most replayable thing that Disney has ever done mm -hmm. that you can only ever afford to do once in your life. Yeah. You know, that, you know our, our mutual friend, Brooke McDonald, was there with her kids mm -hmm. and they were like desperate to go back. And she had to say, like, we might not ever go back. Mm -hmm. you, you know, it's just it's. I don't know what the right price point would have been that to make people happy and make Disney happy, mm. but it would be wonderful to somehow do this again. Jim, I know you want to go. I'm ready to go back. I have been talking with people all over the company, and this is a real hold your breath moment because it's like, as you mentioned, huge roll of the dice, and it's crucial what happens for the next six months. They just released info. I want to say all of the cruises through June are now booked, but the summer after that gets a little interesting. And somebody in the company was pointing out to me the parallels between this and the Disney Institute, how, you know, Michael Eisner assured everybody who was associated with the Disney Institute to the effect of, I'm committed to this for five years. I realized that they were going to have to grow this and this is a big chance. And, and within 18 months, the Disney Institute had mutated into sort of a, a corporate retreat. Wow. Is that really how long it was? At? I took classes there. Yes. Yeah. I, of course. As a freaky <laughs> 10 year old kid, I was like, I've got to go study computer animation I, on vacation. And, and, you know, and, so. and in fact, I want to say this is the first place I met Jim Corcus. Oh, wow. He was teaching the animation course. And I, after the second or third time Jim asked that question in class, that was one of those stump the band moments. And I was able to answer it. He sort of leaned in. It's like, who are you? 
Nancy and I were down there for the Mulan event. They did a three-day-long celebration of Mulan at the Institute, and they offer you, as part of the package, uh, animation classes. And so he was, Jim was like, did you work on Mulan? Who, you know, how do you know this? Who do you know? And it's just, I just, I know animators. I, you know, I'm an entertainment reporter. What do you want from me? Leave me alone. Right. So you talk with people within the company. They're like, oh, this could be huge. Well, and not only Disney is watching this, mm-hmm. Universal is looking at this uh, with bated breath. Yeah. Should you ever want to visit and stay overnight at Hogwarts, there we go. you might want to keep an eye on what's going on here. I, I, uh, I cannot tell you who slipped me the presentation book for the, the Hogwarts, uh, staying at Hogwarts thing. This was like at the over. 10 years ago, but oh, oh, wow. Oh my God. I mean, you did the platform, you know, nine and three quarters thing. You rode the train, you got to see the black plague and it was like, oh, I'm sorry. We're, we're, we're going to go another way, but they had the room set up in such a way that you could in fact sneak out at night. In fact, there was at least one experience where you made it, if you made it all the way down to the basement, there was going to be an animatronic version of Fluffy. <laughs> you know? Wow. Yeah, it, wow. it was killer. And it tells you a lot about the power struggles at Warner's and, and J.K. Rowling's folks, but it was just, the project got stopped at a certain level because one executive wouldn't bring it to J.K. Right. It's just, no, 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 we're, we're not going to do this. That She wouldn't approve this. And it just, you know, because one gatekeeper stood in the way, they, they all, all of these years of planning didn't go forward. But no, you're right. There's a lot writing on if this succeeds. The one thing that the Galactic Star Cruiser doesn't have that the Disney Institute did have was quite a catchy jingle, Jim. I don't know if you remember. You won't believe what you can do. All the things that you can try. <laughs> and, and, and But you, you also have to remember for you know all of the nerdy kids out there to bring this full circle to the Academy Awards. They then cut to the image of the, the kids climbing the, the rock structure. Right. right. Out, out also, of- like Martin Scorsese doing a presentation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's like, eh, I don't know if I want to go climb to rock. Yeah. Well, again, I appreciate the, the, the Reader's Digest version, but... Yes, there will be many more pieces coming out uh, in the weeks ahead on the rap.com, obviously, and, and lots of Turning Red stuff as well. Cannot wait, cannot wait. But we also have your wonderful Light the Fuse podcast. Uh, and did we finally finish up the Jim Bissell series now? Yes, we did. And if you are a, a Disney fan, especially of a certain era of Disney, mm-hmm. we talk a little bit about Rocketeer in there, mm-hmm. and he obviously they worked on arachnophobia and we get a great mm. et story so yeah we're, we're currently going into a, a little sort of mini series where we talk to a couple of working cinematographers about the look of each Miss mission impossible movie which will kind of pad us out through march as we get ready for a little movie called top gun maverick in may and everything that goes along with that and our transition into light the fuselage for god knows how long <laughs> um so yeah that's where we're at right now Drew, if they're looking for you on, on social media, where would they find you? Uh, Drew Tailored, like a tailored shirt. Much like Drew, if you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram is Jim Hill Media. And over on Facebook, it's Jim Hill Media News. So that's going to do it for this week. Thanks for listening, folks. And Drew and I will be back soon.